situations where we feel like the oceans are roaring. They are rising. They're getting ready to drown us. We see a storm all around us. But God is over the storm. God is our peace. God is the one that can take control of the situation, whatever it might be. Uh, we, those of you who were in Sunday school know that uh, Susan Washick, whose uh, sister passed away last night, very unexpectedly, and uh, it went around on the prayer chain. She wanted us to remember her family in prayer. In that situation, yes, she was upset. She was discomforted. But God is still in control. God has a plan. He is with us even though we hurt, even though we are feeling like we're in a storm. Find rest, my soul. They just piled up, and the Israelites walked through on dry ground. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know that you are God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
here. That your presence is here and your word is here. And I pray you bless your word. May we hear it well. May we receive it well. That we can worship you not only in song but in word. And our life is an act of worship to you. God be with us today. And thank you that we're here. And we're here together to worship and to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You can turn to Matthew, the fifth chapter. We're continuing in the Sermon on the Mount. In verse 17, Matthew 5, 17. Uh, Wendy and I used to run every day after class. When we were in college, our senior year, we used to meet at a track about a mile and a half from our college. And... uh, we were running one time, and this, uh, this tall, lanky guy came and started running. And you've seen those people that are non-athletic, and you kind of know it right away. He's not going to be Tommy and play for the Indianapolis Colts, that's for sure. So uh, and he was just, he looked kind of storky, you know, kind of like, you know. And he was running, and he ran and ran, and we ran, and then we, uh, we started walking together and talking. And I said, what do you do? And he said, well, I, I work for uh, the, the Assemblies of God. I work for this denomination. I said, really? Oh, what do you do? And I said, well, we're going to school, study to be ministers. And he went, where do you go? And I said, we go to that Assembly of God school right about a mile up there. And he didn't know very much about it because he had just graduated from Harvard Law School. And uh, that stork guy was a pretty smart guy. And uh, I didn't realize the next week that he would be my professor. And uh, he was the first person in the history of our college that ever taught a class on pastor, church, and law. And he was brilliant. And he has remained a friend for over 45 years. Anytime I have a problem, I'd walk to his office when I was in Springfield and I'd say, I'd like to see Brother Hammer. And they said, who are you? Bill Snyder. He says, we've got some appointments. And he'd say, let Bill in. And uh, it, was, it was good to have that because I learned to kind of appreciate that we need, we have to be careful with the law when we're in Christianity. We do. And uh, another person that loved the law was Jesus. Believe me, he loved the law. Says here in Matthew 5, if you're there in verse 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come to abol- I have not come to abolish them, but to, to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until the heavens and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, Anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teachers, others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of God. But whoever practices and teaches these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. The law, Jesus is talking about the law and the prophets. Of course, when he concises the law, he's talking about what we consider the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, Jesus was so intimate. You know, if you could have heard Bev today, she was preaching in Sunday school, but uh, about the Ten Commandments, because Jesus said, all of them be concise in two. Love me with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the line we need to walk. Jesus came to fill the law by his person, by his teaching, and by his work. There's, because of what Jesus did, 
There's no need to sacrifice. John 1.29 says this. We're going to a lot of scripture today. The next day, John saw Jesus and said, coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. You might want to write these down because we're going to go through a lot today. For he himself, Paul says, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with Its commandments and regulations. His purpose, Jesus' purpose, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Jesus and in one body to reconcile both of of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Jesus in Christianity made a new community. A new community that should love God. You see that in the book of Acts, and we'll be preaching through that in the next few years, hopefully. But Jesus, because Jesus came, there is no more need for sacrifice. He becomes our sacrifice. He paid the death. He appeased God's angry justice, and he becomes our sacrifice. So Jesus, when Jesus did, there's no need for sacrifice. The law contemns men to death. But it has no power to save. I'm going to say that again. The law condemned men to death, but it has no power to save. But Jesus' death on the cross fulfills the righteousness of the law. Would you put up Colossians 2? And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you whether you eat or drink with regard to religious festivals, a new moon, celebrations, or a Sabbath day. There are, these are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality of her is found in Christ. Christ is where the reality and the film of the law comes. Jesus is saying that the law is to be fulfilled. He's not saying to disobey the law. Our relationship with God has been, hasn't been established just through our actions. Know that. You can't act good enough, be good enough, rich enough, cute enough, or shy enough. It's not going to work. Your actions don't get you to God. Now, we act and say, but our faith is is what gets us to God. It's based on our faith in Jesus as fulfillment to the law. Romans 10. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. That's faith. Faith Righteousness comes by faith. Let's let's look at Galatians 5.4. You who are trying to be justified, don't we try that sometimes? We try our best to do our best. By the law, and that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, and we'll talk about that in a minute, have been alienated from Christ. You're trying alienate you from Christ. Do you know that? You can try you want it alienates you, but you have fallen away from grace because we you can't. It's like the difference in an athlete. And I used to uh, play golf. I still try. Okay, to play golf used to be much better, but I would have a teacher and I said, I'm not good at this. And when you're in Orlando, you play golf. We met a lot of guys. They came to our church. We had a church plant. I'd play in leagues and invite guys to church. Many of them came to know the Lord, but um I would play, and I'd have a quick backswing. And this kid, I was teaching a class in Bible college, he said, Mr. Snyder, I went yesterday, he said, 
I can teach you to play golf. And I went, oh boy, it's a Georgia boy. So uh, I, he said, the Lord called, before the Lord called me to ministry, I was a golfing pro. And I said, you're my man. So uh, we would go out. We would go out. We would practice. And he said, you know, there's a difference between trying and training. And I went, yeah, there is. Because in, tr- in training, you have a mentor that shows you what to do. You know where Tommy's at right now? He's in California training to get better so he can play better. He's training with someone that knows how to train him in weights and different things. He's not trying. He's training. You understand that? So I was trying to hit the ball, and he said, you need to slow down your backswing. And I, every time I told Joe and I were golfing, and every time I, I go to swing, I kids in my head, slow down, Mr. Snyder. Because, because, because I was trying instead of training. Jesus puts you in the training field. You can't try enough to get to Jesus. Only by faith and trust in him can we do it. Amen? That's how we get to Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. I came. Don't disobey the law, but you can only get through the law to me. I am the only way. Christ has fulfilled the righteousness of the law. And we use this word a lot in Christianity. God has imputed. That means credited. God has credited that righteousness for us who believe. If righteousness can come by the law, then Jesus did not have to die. But he died so we could have access to God. Let's look in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's a good passage. I'm working the guys today. You've got to realize their hands are going to be tired after today back there. 2 Corinthians. If I, if, I, if I don't have it up there, I'll find it really quick. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Pastor, how well do you really know the Bible? Uh, it says this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Nothing is plainer than that. We are unrighteous. Christ becomes, becomes, that we, becomes sin for us. He is the sin bearer that we could be righteous before God. Do you have Romans 5, 20 and 21? The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increases, grace increases all the more. Amen. Don't pound the pulpit. I'm getting a little excited there. I know I've got to watch it. Galatians 2.20. This is a great passage. Write these down. Read them when you get home. These are great. I have been crucified with Christ. And you know, the King James says, nevertheless, I live. But Christ who lives in me, the life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our relationship with Christ gives us power to do his will. Because if you're just trying, you're not going to make it. But God's Spirit helps us to live this life. Two more passages. Philippians 2.10. You're good, guys. You're good. You're good. I did Bible quiz so I can get there, okay? Philippians 2.10 says this. So that you may be able, and this is my prayer, Paul prays the church of Philippi. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight. So that you may be able to discern what is the best. And that you may be pure and blameless for Christ on that day. Filled with the spirit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Righteousness 
what, God, what Jesus is saying, the law points you to me. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, no, they wanted to reject that. They couldn't believe it. But Jesus is saying, the law points to me. One more passage, if you want to write this down, it's Hebrews ten 16. I'll tell you what, if you don't believe in the Bible, this is probably not the church for you. This is not the church. 10.16, it says this. This is my covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their heart and I will write them on their mind, the new covenant. So our relationship with Christ depends on our faith in him and the law points to Jesus. The second thing I want to say is Jesus says in this passage to the scribes and the Pharisees, don't be like those guys. The law points to Jesus. Don't let these guys or the example, understand to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus was obscure. Who is this carpenter? He's a guy that works with wood. All we do is work with the law all our lives. Who is this kid? Jesus at 12 years old is in the temple debating. Can you imagine that? The marvel in those guys when Jesus is quoting scripture. And yes, Jesus grew up hearing the Torah, hearing the law. But these are men that their whole life is committed. These are religious people. You know, it's like, say, uh, Deji walks into a, uh, you hearing me back there? Deji walks into a, uh, into a hospital and, uh, He walks into a surgeon that's doing vascular surgery to connect veins to repair a guy's leg. And Deji says, I got this. And the guy said, what? Well, I got this. Go on. Take it. You know, take a. And it's like that Holiday Inn. You know, I stayed at Holiday Inn Express last night. It's like one of those commercials. Because it's a good night of you laugh. You don't watch TV. That's good. No. But I'm saying that uh, it's just picture him doing that. And Jesus coming in saying, you don't need the law. I point. Who are you? We are the law. We know God. We've done this our whole life. Sounds like a lot of religious people, doesn't it, to you? Because if you're into rules and relationships, Jesus wasn't into rules and relationships. You know what he's into? Relationship. Because relationship is what Jesus died for. He didn't die for rules and regulations. He died for relationship. That's what Easter's about. Relationship. Jesus coming back. And we're going to talk about comebacks that day. It's, it's just like this. Say I, say I go to Rudy <laughs> and I say, Rudy, you know, let me, you know, I'll build this. Don't worry about it. I got it. Do you know you wouldn't get paid and it would be the greatest disaster you've ever seen in your life because I cannot work with my hands. I'm not good with that stuff. But picture me coming to you who's been a pastor my whole life and I'm not a builder like George. I'm not. So this church, you, you, you would have maybe, we'd, we'd have had one two by four up in 40 years. But I'm saying this, understand the, the, pre, the teachers and the law and the scribes looked at Jesus that way. Who is this obscure carpenter that's coming to us, telling us that he can interpret the law and he is the one, he is, the law is fulfilled in him. The laws were governing men's attitudes. The scribes were the people, people that read and interpreted the law. You understand that, right? They were the interpreters of the law. The Pharisees were the religious sect who spent their life endeavoring to live every detail of the law. You know, I'm going to tell you the truth. You might not like me saying this. I have a problem with two or three groups of people. One of the groups of people I really have a problem with is religious people that set standards that nobody else can live by. 
And they're wanting you to live by those standards. Jesus is saying, Jesus isn't saying, I, Jesus isn't saying that they're teaching the law wrong. He's just saying they have the wrong motive. Their heart is wrong. That you can't, you, they wanted standards that you couldn't even conform to. But Jesus is the standard for righteousness. John 16.10 says this. About righteousness, boy, that, that scripture really is emphasized now. Uh, about righteousness, thank you for that. Because, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. So Jesus is saying, my righteousness is from the Father. Remember, our righteousness comes to faith in Christ, but is manifested through the fruit of love in our life. Did you ever read John thirteen thirty five? It doesn't say you'll know my disciples because they're really good at quoting scripture. It didn't say you'll know my disciples because they come to church. The old adage is just because you're sitting in McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Just because you're in a pew doesn't make you a Christian. So Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying you'll know my disciples because they really dress well on Sunday and they're slick. You'll know my disciples by their love one for another. That is the litmus test for us as believers. And that's why I love this church. Because there's love in this church. Anybody that comes to this church has love and sees love. And I love that. Because there's no greater test for you as a believer. If you don't love people. If you're hateful and bitter. There is an altar for you today. We'll pray that out of you here. Jesus wasn't in conflict with the law. Understand that. He agreed with what people were being taught about the law, but the scribes and Pharisees were disobedient to the true intent of the law. They were resting in false righteousness. Galatians 3.24. So the law was our guardian until Christ came so that we might be justified. The law was our school teacher that basically pointed us to Christ. And Christ came to fulfill the law, and our faith in him gives us righteousness. Jesus is saying the spirit of the law is what matters the most. The thoughts and actions that lead to obedience are what should be judged. The intent of the law is to bring a positive relationship with Jesus. 1 John 1, 3. I know where 1 John is at now, Bev. Uh, okay. Uh, Bev is teaching that in Sunday school. First John 1 John 1.3 says this. What a great book. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Christ Jesus. Let me say this to you. This is an important passage. It's a hard passage to preach because it is really hard to make the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the law exciting for any preacher. I promise you that. But Jesus is saying something very important here. No matter how good you are, no matter how well-dressed you are, no matter how wealthy you are, you know, I'll say this to you. As much money as Taylor Swift and Mahomes and Kelsey have, and those guys have done some good things for our city this week, good works don't get you to heaven. I'm not proclaiming that they're not or they are Christian. That's not what I'm saying. But understand this. It doesn't matter your wealth. It doesn't matter your, your economic status. What matters is, is Jesus Lord of your life. 
Because Jesus can only make us right. You say, this is so simple. But Jesus is trying to make the gospel simple for people where scribes and Pharisees are saying, we've got 400, we have, we have 380 some commandments and 208 and, and 400. They're trying to make all the laws into a book and say, this is what you've lived and nobody can live that and they know that. So there's a dependency on them. And he's saying, don't depend on them for your interpretation. The law points to me. So any, it's the hardest person to come to Christ. Please hear me. Anything I say this morning, the hardest person to come to Christ isn't the adulterer. It isn't the child molester. It isn't the drug dealer. It isn't the murderer. I've talked to all those groups. I wrote them down because I've talked to all those groups and seen those groups of people turn their life over to God. The hardest person to come to Jesus is the person that thinks they're too good for him. I promise you. I've talked to hundreds of people about their salvation. The hardest person to come to Christ is the person that thinks, look at the rich young ruler in the Bible. I've done all these things. I've obeyed all the commandments. Go sell all you have and give it to the poor. I'm out. I'm not doing that. Our faith doesn't depend. There's three kinds of people in America, and there's, I'm going to group them in three. You could group them in a lot more, but I'm saying there's the people that are religious that love their religion. They love their rules and their relationships because that's how they, they get to God. But that's not how you get to God. There's the other group of people that say, you know what? I've done, an, I've done enough internet searches. There's not a God. Because the internet tells me there's not a God. Oh, really? Good for you. Uh, or I'm, I'm good on my own. I have my own basic set of rules. I've set my own lifestyle. I don't owe God a thing. God doesn't owe me a thing. Let me live my life. Religious, let me live my own life. And then there's a group of people that say, I'm not good enough. Not rich enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm going to depend on God. I'm going to trust Jesus and I'm going to say, I am going to put my trust in. And I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. I'm not going to put my, fuss, my trust in religion and rules. I'm not going to put my trust in myself. That I'm my own creation. And I know what's best for this planet. I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. I'll tell you something right now. When I breathe my last breath, I want to say, Jesus, take me home. Look at me real. Look at me here. When I breathe my last breath, breath I want to say, Jesus, take me home. I don't want to breathe my last breath and say, forget God. My father accepted Christ, and shortly after that, my grandfather was on his deathbed. I'll never forget the story he told me. So he goes to his deathbed, and he's trying to lead my grandfather to Christ. My grandfather had a moment of clarity and said, don't you dare talk to me about Jesus and breathe his last breath. I'm going to take, look at me, that is not the way to go out. That is not the way to go out. You know why I want to go out? The last two weeks, I've been blessed. Young people, listen to me. I've been blessed to be with a person that was 90, Millie, that loves God. And two or three weeks before that, I know you're listening to me, April, so listen really well. We went over to visit April. And I'm going to tell you, I want my life to be those two lives. I want to be that age. Don't. I want to be that age. I'm not there yet, but I'm shortly getting there. The bike is pedaling that way pretty quickly. 
when I'm that age, Tyler, you know, when I'm that age, and I know you're a gung guy, you and Je- Deji and some of you guys, you young, you young bucks, Jude, you guys. But when I'm that age, man, I want to say, Jesus, I love you. I don't want to be bitter and mad because maybe my health's failing or something like that. I just know God causes us to walk this journey, and this journey has a lot of bumps and a lot of bruises and a lot of suffering. But you know what? Jesus didn't say it'd be easy, but as long as he holds my hand, I can make it. Amen? I can make it. And I just want to pray for you today that you make it. Because I'm going to tell you what, it's an easy thing to come to church and sit there and turn your heart off. It's an easy, I've done it. I've done it as a pastor. I've sat there and turned and not heard a thing the preacher said. I've done it. Don't tell me you can't do it. I've turned the preacher off. I've turned the music off. I've turned everything off and just went through the motions, played church. Uh, Please don't do that. Because that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. They played church. And there's one place that will get you. And that's an eternal, eternal place that's not close to God. It's away from God. Um, I want to pray for you today. And I want you to pray with me. Let me pray with you and I'll pray. we'll pray together. Father, I pray in Jesus' name if someone's here and they're thinking, I know the rules and regulations, but I don't know God. Maybe there's somebody else here that says, you know what? I'm good. I know what's going on. I've been around this thing. I've been in church. Big deal. Jesus, come on. And then God today is pulling on their heart. I pray you press hearts today, God. I pray you convict hearts today, God. Not not emotion, because let me say this. Emotion doesn't set you free. Truth does. And the truth is this. Jesus has come, and he is the answer for the world. You know, I'm going to say this. In the, in the middle of his prayer. The reason the trigger pulled, the gun didn't, the gun killed that person on Wednesday. But I'm going to tell you what killed that person. A, an evil heart. A heart that wasn't bent towards God. That's what really pulled the trigger. Gun control, whatever. But God wants to change hearts and that changes the world. And only Jesus can truly change Amen. a heart. Amen. Touch us today. Pray with me. Say, dear Jesus. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I put my trust in you. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. But I trust in you today. Help me to walk with you. Help me to depend on you. I need you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we leave, James, stand up. We're going to get complete healing for you. Complete healing. Pray for your knee surgery, Joe. Stand, please. I'm going to pray for you. Anybody else need a touch from God? Would you, uh, who sent us the request? Was there a request that I, I didn't see? I'm looking on my phone and I, uh, help me out. Come on. Stand, 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 stand. We want to cover her in prayer, right? It, it, we're praying for Susan's family, right? Okay, okay. Anybody else need prayer for healing today? I'm going to tell you what, (laughs) I'm not kidding when I say this. We're not going out of this building until God touches people. I mean it. Yes, ma'am. Okay. How you doing? See, 
one of these days, this church is going to be a little larger, and you're going to have to scoot over sometimes. Remember that. I know you got your place, but you got to give a little bit here. I know how it is. Wendy's got her place already. I know how it is. But as we do that, let's remember, we're always going to be a church that prays for the sick, that believes in salvation. Jesus is coming. We believe that God fills people with the Holy Spirit. That's our church. Come on. We're not giving up on doctrine because new people come. Come on. Jesus, today you're our healer. I pray for Joe. I pray for Doris. God, touch. Who is it again, Bev? Uh, Susan's family. And God, I pray for James. Make him well. May the doctors marvel at what God is doing in his life. Just come over him, Holy Spirit. I've seen you do that in the New Testament. James, Peter and John are walking by a guy a hundred times. And one time they say, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. You do things like that. Bring healing to this church, God. We have been through this bout of colds and sickness. Bring health to us, God. Bring health to this family that has lost this loved one. Pray for George. I pray for just keep touching him, God. I pray for uh, I pray for our, anyone today, God, that's sensing that God. I, I don't want to say anything to anybody, but I, I I know something's not right. Heal them today, God. Heal them today. Make our body well and healthy. Prepare us for the harvest, God. We love you today. You do. All things well. I trust you for healing. I trust you that people will come and find Jesus. Let us go out of this church and be a witness for you. God, give us strength through your spirit. And may we live righteously for you. And may people see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And God's people said amen. Amen. Have a day, folks. Have a good day. Have a good day in Jesus. Thank <laughs> you.